Amen. Thanks, Tom. Um, well, one of the things that I failed to say earlier was if, if you are new here, this is your first Sunday and we haven't met, uh, I would love it if you could do me a favor and when we're over at the picnic, I would love it if you could introduce yourself to me so I can get to uh, know you a little better. Um, that would be really helpful. Um, you know, every single year when we do picnic uh, Sunday, even if we're in the middle of a series, like we're in the middle of going through the book of Philippians, but every uh, picnic Sunday, no matter what we're talking about, whatever uh, series we're in on picnic Sunday, we want to talk about what the church is supposed to be like. Uh, and, and again, like I said earlier, not, not just the weekly meeting, but church as a life-giving community of, of grace. See, the liberating good news of Jesus, and it is life-giving good news, it should inspire us to, to follow Jesus together as friends, as the best of friends, friends that are, love each other so much that, that we feel like family. That's why we call each other so often brother or, or sister. That's the way this deal is supposed to work. In our text this morning, we see Jesus calling his very first followers. And I want to look at this story that Tom just read for, for us from the perspective of the guys in the story and, and how Jesus relates to them. Now, I know some of you here are new, and, and you're just checking things out. You're not really sure about this whole church deal. Maybe you have a picture in your head of what it is to be a Christian, and so far, you're not so sure that you want to be associated with that. Well, I think this morning that there are some encouraging words for you, and I think some encouraging insights in, in this story. For the rest of you, for those of you who have already decided to follow Jesus by the time that we're done, I hope you that I, I hope that you are just convinced in your heart of hearts that we really can be this community of grace that, that Jesus talks about, and that, that we can grow in being a community of, of grace. This is what the good news of Jesus does. So I think there's some encouraging words for you as well. So um, let's jump into it. If you have your bulletin, you should have an insert where you can take notes as you follow along. And in the, the first point here, one of the first things that we notice in the story is that Jesus takes all kinds. Jesus takes all kinds. Just look around the room and you know that Jesus takes, look at Johnny Upson, and you know that Jesus takes all, I told you I was going to work that in eventually. Jesus does take all kinds, and there's proof in your life experience and proof throughout the scriptures. And then you look at the different people in the story. First, in verse 37, it, it, it mentions these two disciples, one of whom was John, the son of, of Zebedee. John is one of the first disciples to follow Jesus. And John, what we learn later, is that he was a zealous guy. He was zealous. And he had a brother named James. And Jesus gives John and James a nickname. Does anybody here know what that nickname is? Yeah, Sons of Thunder. You all remember that? Because that's a cool nickname, right? Sons of, sons of Thunder. You know, 
sometimes the nickname can say everything, like that one, right? Now, when, when, I, when I lived in a, a national, national city, I met guys with uh, nicknames like Smiley and Sleepy and Freak and Fish and Whack. Anyone here have a nickname like that? What's a ginger? There you go, Evan. That's right. Sometimes a nickname says it all. <laughs> That's exactly right. Now, John and James, they earn their nickname just like Evan earns his, right? Now, James and John earn this nickname when they go to introduce some people to Jesus and they reject Jesus. And what do John and James say to Jesus? They say, hey, Jesus, you want us to call fire down from heaven and burn these guys up? Hey, I got an idea. Let's nuke them. They were rude. Let's just obliterate them. I can imagine Jesus just kind of facepalm, shaking his head, going, man, I've got a lot of work to do. Do you know anybody like that? Anyone come to mind? Yeah, I know. Some of you got somebody in mind. And then verse 40, we learn uh, that the other disciple with John was Andrew, and his claim to fame was Simon Peter's brother. Every time Andrew's mentioned, it says Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, and that's just about it, right? But the one thing we do know about uh, Andrew was that he was a friend who helped his friends find and follow Jesus. We do know that about him. Do you know anybody like that? A friend who helps their friends find and follow Jesus? They're life-giving. They're encouragers, right? You love to be around them. And then after Andrew meets Jesus in verse 41, he goes and gets his brother, um, Peter. And, of course, we all know so much more about Peter. I mean, he's notorious for for going off half-cocked and and making messes and putting his foot in his mouth, and, and he recklessly runs out ahead of everybody else because, as far as he's concerned, he's better than everybody else. Does that remind you of anybody? And then Jesus calls Philip. Here, poor Philip. In the Gospels, it seems that Philip is kind of a simple guy. We see him ask questions that kind of indicate that he's a little bit slow. That's what we know about Philip. And my middle name happens to be Philip, so I'm wondering what my parents' motivation was when it comes. <laughs> thank you, thank you, baby. So he's a little slow, and what does Jesus do? He gently brings him up to speed. Philip is just a simple follower of Jesus. I would not mind that on my tombstone. A simple follower of Jesus. And then finally in verse 45, we meet Nathaniel. Nathaniel is cynical. He challenges Philip and Jesus. He is well studied and versed in the Old Testament, and he's not going to be a sucker. In verse 45, it says that Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael says, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? 
That's like saying, that's like saying El Cajon, can anything, <laughs> I'm sorry, maybe not. Nobody's here, nobody hears from El Cajon, right? So, oh, my mom, oh. <laughs> sorry, mom. Can anything besides Brenda Ortiz and Vince Ortiz come out of El Cajon? <laughs> Good looking out, all right. So, anyway, oh my goodness, I'm going to hear about that one later. Uh, so, so, anyway, he might be, Nathaniel might be a little prejudiced, right? Throughout history, Nazareth has been described as nothing but hicks and sticks. Uh, maybe there was a stigma attached to the name, like, oh, Nazareth, right? But with Nathaniel, I think there was something else besides being prejudiced. I mean, he knew the Old Testament, and he knew that the Old Testament said that the Messiah, the Christ, the Deliverer, the King, would come from the house of the King of David in Bethlehem. And Nazareth and Bethlehem were on opposite sides of, of Israel, and so Nathaniel's just saying, this doesn't add up. So he's cynical. Now, look, all of these dudes have their own issues, and they're all different issues. And as I reflect on it, I realize something. They're just like us. They are just like us. So if you're new here and you're just checking things out, you know, trying to figure out who God is, know this. I, I want you to know this. I, I know that, I mean, I've talked to so many people. It can be real easy to kind of blow off Christianity because you met some people who claimed to be Christians and they had major issues like, you know, arrogance and they were unloving towards you or somebody that, that you care about. Sometimes... Sometimes the best argument against Christianity can be Christians or people who claim to be Christians. And you think, you know what, if I have to become like that, then I'm out. I, I understand that. But I also want you to know this. At the same time, one of the best arguments for Christianity can be Christians. I mean, if they're humble and thoughtful and, and they're a loving friend, I mean, they have a way that can beautifully just, just shine a light that reveals the grace and the truth of God. Do you know people like that? See, this text shows us that God does take all kinds. God takes the outcasts. He takes the unimpressive. He takes the hotheads. He takes the cowards. He takes the arrogant. He takes the simple. He takes the cynical. We're all different, and we're all messed up in our own way, but God is working on us. Christianity is about grace, and messed up people like us need grace. That's why we're all here. And we need Jesus to change us, to change our hearts and transform our lives. So don't give up following Christ because of Christians. Don't do it. In time, you will see God using messed up people in spite of them being messed up. And if you stick around long enough, I'm telling you, I guarantee it, you will eventually experience profound, life-giving grace and truth from someone who is just as messed up as you and me. And they become your dear friends. People that might not be anything like you, 
That's what the gospel does. That is the power of God's grace. And I'm telling you that God wants to work through you and who you are and all of your issues. He wants to work in and through that. Because, and here's, here's why I know this. Because if you and when you experience God's grace, you will then just naturally extend it to others in your own way like no one else can. And you'll reach people that no one else can. God wants to work in and through that. So if you're here this morning, and I say this often, if you're here this morning and you look around and you feel like, hey man, there's no one else here like me. I don't know if I belong. I'm telling you, you do belong because we need you. Jesus takes all kinds and he brings all kinds together. So we need you. The second encouragement I want to give you is this, that Jesus invites you to investigate. You know, a lot of times when, unfortunately, I, I think a lot of times when Christians share their faith, it's, it's like a hard sell. It's like a take it or leave it right now, right? And it's kind of, they may not say it, but the attitude is kind of like, do you believe in Jesus yet? No? Well, fine, go to hell. <laughs> I've seen that attitude, and people are a little bit more bold about that kind of attitude on, on social media, but that, that heart is there. And it's like, it's like they should be selling timeshares or something. <laughs> Have you ever been to one of those? If you haven't, don't go. <laughs> that is not a friend, that is a foe. Jesus doesn't do that. That's, that's not to say that, that the situation is not urgent because it is, but Jesus is patient. I mean, the first thing that Jesus says in this passage is, is a question. In verse 38, after Andrew and John leave John the Baptist to follow Jesus, Jesus turned to them and saw them following and said, what are you seeking? You know what? That is... A critical question because he's asking them to check their hearts he's asking them to check their motives he's asking them what are you hoping to get out of this deal I mean why are you really following me I mean do you have any idea whatsoever what it is that you're signing up for because they don't and he knew it in verse 38 it continues with them asking for more information they ask rabbi which means teacher where are you staying and what does he say he says come and you will see that right there is jesus's approach over and over and over and over again to people who are asking who is this jesus and what is he all about come and see come and hang out let's eat together Look, investigate, check it out for yourself. He doesn't make the hard sell. He says, I'll open my life to you. I will be a friend. Hang out with me and see. Now, for those of you who claim to be a part of God's church, it is critical for us to be Christ-like in this and be a church that's, that says, come and see. For us to be a come and see people. Because who do you usually say that to anyway? Oh man, you, you gotta check this out. Who do you say that to? 
your friends, right? You, you, you know their needs, and you think that you have something that will help them, and so, so you want to share the, this with them, that you have something that they need, they ha- you have something that they appreciate. I mean, that is how most of us got in this deal, is God used a relationship. He used a friend. Unfortunately, the attitude that gets most of the press says, if you jump through all the right hopes, and if you can be just like us and talk like us and believe everything that, that, that we believe and vote like us and whatever else, then maybe you can hang out with me. And it's almost unspoken. And it gets all the press. And that's not friends helping friends find and follow Jesus. There must be a genuine love for God and a genuine love for people that compels you to say, come and see Ask questions. I'll help you in any way that I can. I'll give you the time and the room that, that, that you need. I'll encourage you and challenge you in a way that has your best interests in mind. I have found life and I have found joy and I found friendship with Jesus. And, and he is so amazing that I'm dedicating my, my life to him. You've got to check this out. Those are the words of a friend. So Jesus invites you to investigate And then the third encouragement is this, that Jesus rewards those who honestly seek him. God tells us through the author of Hebrews, without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. So, so, when you pray, maybe you've never prayed before, but, but, but something moves in you and, and you pray and you say, God, if you are real, please show me. Uh, if you are real, please help me to trust you and help me to follow you. Help me to know what it is to have a relationship with you. And if you are honestly seeking him, he will answer that prayer. It is a promise. And then we find out he was already seeking us all along. That's why he says, if you seek me, you will find me because he's already seeking you. He's already pursuing you. That's a promise. In verse 47, check out what Jesus says about Nathanael. Jesus says about Nathanael, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. He is saying, you know what, this guy Nathanael, he doesn't have an axe to grind. I mean, he's not here with an ulterior motive for some selfish agenda. I mean, he's honest in his seeking. I am telling you right now, that must come from God. Because it's counterintuitive to to set aside your agenda and to set aside your prejudices and your preconceived notions when you're confronted by the truth. (laughs) This is crazy. Seeing the truth and having the faith to believe it is something that God enables you to do, and then he rewards you. (laughs) That is just awesome to me. It's crazy. And how does he reward us? We will find and follow Jesus. Jesus is our great reward, and there is no greater reward than Jesus. Why are you following Jesus? So he'll help you reach your goals or whatever? Give you an easy life? Yeah, right. Are you following Jesus? 
Because you know he, there's no greater reward than him, than knowing him, than being loved by him. Jesus is the reward. Jesus reveals who he is in verse 48 when Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before, when you were far off, you weren't anywhere around, and you were, you were hanging out under the fig tree, before Philip called you, I saw you. Now, it was Jewish custom to go unto the tree and meditate upon God's word, the Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't written yet because that story was still unfolding. And the great hope of the Old Testament was that one day the Messiah would show up. One day the Christ would show up. One day the Deliverer would show up and deliver his people and establish his kingdom. And, and, and this is what Nathaniel is meditating upon under, under the fig tree. And it is at that moment when Philip walks up to Nathaniel and says, Hey, guess what? We found him. After thousands of years and, and, and countless people waiting and waiting and longing for the Messiah to, to show up, his buddy uh, shows up and Philip shows up and says, Hey, you know that guy that we've been waiting for, the Messiah, that's going to like fix everything? I, uh, I just talked to him. What? Of course, Nathaniel's going to be, yeah, sure, whatever, man. We'll see about that. Whereas Jesus, he's like way over there. All right, so let's go see him then. And so they start their hike, and they go over to Jesus, and when they finally get them, Jesus doesn't even need to say much to get Nathaniel's attention because Jesus says, hey, yeah, when you were way over there, I saw you under the fig tree. And he was just blown away. How could Jesus know that? He was nowhere near them. And Jesus looked at him, and Nathaniel knew exactly who he was. This is not just some dude. This is, this is someone who is divine. And God opens Nathaniel's eyes and gives him the faith to see the truth that he was looking for. This really is the Messiah. And Nathaniel says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Nathaniel found his reward. The deliverer of God's people. So, of course he's going to follow Jesus. Of course he's going to be loyal to Jesus. Of course he's going to worship Jesus. Of course he's going to devote his life to Jesus. Because Jesus is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. And his heart is full of love for his king. Now, there's, there's something else here that's important to point out that, that comes from uh, the, the Old Testament, which Nathaniel would have been very familiar with. Jesus uh, answered him saying, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? That's it. You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You know what he's referring to right there? From the Old Testament, Genesis 28 or so? Jacob's ladder. You get a sucker or star or something. That's exactly right. Jacob's ladder. It's a picture of God's people having access to God, but we do not build the ladder. That is man-made religion. 
the latter is God the Son. And God the Son descends from heaven to be with you and to give you access to God through his life and through his death and through his resurrection. And he says to you, come and see. And then Jesus will change you. You know, John and his brother were called the sons of thunder for a reason. They wanted to be like boondock saints for Jesus, right? But then Jesus changed them. And that's why John could write this passage that we're reading this morning. And 1 John, and 2 John, and 3 John, and the book of Revelation. He's totally transformed because of Jesus. And he loses the nickname Son of Thunder and became known as the Apostle of Love. I mean, he's the one who wrote God is love. He's the one who wrote, if you don't love your brother, the love of God is not in you. That is a big transformation from bring fire down from heaven and burn them up. Major transformation there. The apostle of love. And in verse 42, we get a preview of the change about to happen to Peter. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Jesus just met him and changed his name on the spot. Why? Because the meaning of his name hints that he's going to be a pillar in the church. Now, do you know what this means for you? Do you know what that means for all of us? It means that Jesus meets you where you are, wherever it is uh, you find yourself in life, whatever mess you find yourself in. Jesus meets you where you are, but he sees you as he will make you. Because he who began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it. And we know that Peter keeps Messing up after that, right? I mean, he even denied ever knowing Jesus after Jesus was crucified. But Jesus changes Peter, and it becomes a powerful testimony for Jesus and his grace. And we say this all the time, that Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you remain as you are. He's refining you and shaping you and molding you. So, Jesus says to Simon Peter and John, and Andrew, and Philip, and Nathaniel, follow me. I, I, I'm not inviting you just to some moral code or philosophy. I'm inviting you to know me and to live a whole new life with a whole new purpose with me. And Jesus will change you. And after he changes, you know what he does? Or as he's changing, you know what he does? He works through you. And that totally stands out here in the story. Each person in the story went to somebody that they knew to bring them to Jesus. And you know what? Chances are, that's how God reached you. Somebody that knew you and loved you. And now God works through you to share his grace and truth with the people that you know by helping them find and follow Jesus. <laughs> that's how this works. 
And if, and, and if that hasn't become part of your life yet, I, I, I want to give you a heads up on something. I want to prepare you for something as, as you look to reach out to people. The people that you reach out to, there's a chance that they just might be prejudiced against you. It's a possibility. This is what Philip ran into with Nathaniel. But I'm, I want to encourage you, don't let that throw you off, okay? The Bible says we should expect this. Most of us, were the, the same way, right? Sometimes after I meet new people at like a birthday party or something, and we just meet, we're getting to know each other, we're talking for a while, and then they find out that I'm a pastor, they totally freak out. And usually there's an expletive involved. No way, you're not a Blakely Blake pastor. You are? You don't look like a pastor. Well, I know, I know. And sometimes they get embarrassed. And then they get distant. They're not as open as they were. Maybe they had a bad experience and it just kind of with it just kind of short-circuited their, their understanding of Christianity or, or, or maybe their mom's been praying them for, for them for years and all of a sudden they feel conviction or something, but there's a distance that happens. Give them the freedom and the room to work through that. Just be patient and encouraging. See, God shows us that the Nathaniels with strong opinions and, and challenging questions need to be shown the grace of Jesus. And it happens by you simply saying as a friend, come and see. I'm telling you, you don't have to be a super Christian and know everything. All you got to do is talk about your faith and relationship with Jesus. And, that, and that's it. Be a friend. And I'll close with this. At the very beginning, and this is, this is the point. At the very beginning of the story, we read, the next day, again, John the baptizer was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And John the baptizer says to his own disciples, You need to go follow that guy instead. He is the one who takes away the sin of the world. And they were his friends, and that's why they listened to him. That's how it works. So let me ask you the same question Jesus asked. What are you seeking? I mean, Jesus knows what your real needs are. I mean, we think that we need control. We think that we need comfort. We think that we need, you know, the perfect family. We think that we need more money or any money at all. But we'll only be truly satisfied when we find what we really need in God. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. He is graciously showing us that we can't get the life that we think that we need. We need God, and we need his grace, and we need him to give us the life we need in Christ. And so he came to us in the person of Jesus to live a perfect life for us. And then he took the wrath of God upon himself for us. Why? Because even though he can see our hearts, even though that he can see our sin, he chose to love us unconditionally at great cost to himself. And then he gives you new life. 
Because he conquered death by rising from the, raising from the dead to be with you forever. This is the good news of God's grace. This is the message of Christianity. It not only saves you, but it also changes you. Because the truth is, to the extent that you experience God's grace, to the extent that you know God's grace, and, and you see that Jesus sacrificed for you freely on the cross to give you life, you then will also sacrifice to share his grace and truth with others. So my question for you this morning is this. Who are you reaching out to? Who are you extending you know, God's love and grace and truth to? You know, Jesus had 12 followers. Look at the difference it made. What if we gave him 100? You know, friends who were committed to saying, come and see. Now, if, if you're still asking who is Jesus and what difference does it make, I, I want to encourage you to keep asking that question. I encourage you to put aside your prejudice and uh, whatever prejudices that keep you uh, from him and, and honestly seeking him. It doesn't matter who you are. It does not matter what you have done. He calls you to follow him. He is our great reward. There is no greater reward than that. And the reward is yours if you want it. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for your grace. We thank you that you draw us to yourself. We thank you that you take all kinds we thank you um, for showing us where true life is found. God, it is, it is my prayer that we would understand in a, in a, in a new way and in a, an impactful way um, just how much you paid to save us and to change us, to, to love us, to make us part of your family. God, I pray, Lord, that in light of your holiness, you would reveal the, the sin in, in, in our hearts that destroy us and the people around us and that you would liberate us from that as we put our faith in Christ and the price that he paid on the cross for us. Knowing that he didn't just uh, take away our sin that condemns us, but he also gives us the righteousness of Christ, the riches of Christ. God, I pray that that would not become old news to us, that it would stir within our hearts an, an appreciation and a relief and, and a, a desire to worship you and thank you and to live for you and to follow you. God, I pray if there's anybody here this morning that has never taken that step of, of faith, that you would enable them to have faith in you, that you would open their eyes so that they can see that life is found in you and that true purpose in life is to glorify you and enjoy a relationship with you. God, give them the courage to trust you, to follow you, and to live for you.
And God, for the rest of us, uh, make the good news new to us again. God, I pray, Lord, that, that um, you would make us more like Jesus, that you would enable us to share the friendship of Jesus with the people that you have deliberately placed in our lives. Forgive us for just being consumed with ourselves and what we want and what we don't want. Help us to live for you and for others as we reflect on the fact that that's what Jesus did. And that's why we're part of this family. We pray these things in your name.